Welcome to the next Brave Thing podcast. My name is Ella Hooper and I'm excited to have you back for season three. If you were an old listener, you would have noticed I had a break from putting out episodes um, to focus more on projects and other work responsibilities. Um, But this year, 2023, I am committing to putting out weekly episodes, which I'm really excited about. And um, yeah, like most of you, um, probably you've had some reflection on 2022 and I have too. And um, I definitely found it to be one of the most transformative years, but also one of the most heartbreaking hard years. Um, I had that that kind of duality happening of really amazing things happening, um, but then really hard things as well, like a lot of you. And if I look back, I think that since 2020, like most of you, um, that was really, uh, really, really hard. And, um, I went obviously like there's quotes around that say, you know, you should happen to life. Don't let life happen to you. But I think that we can all agree that the pandemic pandemic definitely happened to us. And, uh, my heart goes out to all the caretakers, doctors, nurses, teachers, leaders that had to work through that time. And I think that sometimes like in the adrenaline of that crisis, you don't really have time to reflect on how your soul is doing. And um, for me, that was definitely the case. Um, In 2020, I actually went through um, a very traumatic betrayal that really jacked up my nervous system. And I'm definitely not going to go into what happened on the podcast. I'm physically fine. But um, it was just a very um, confusing, awful time. Um, And then still, I had to function as a leader, as a life coach as well, and had to kind of keep on going like a lot of people. And I feel like you don't really see the wear and tear of that in the moment but it seeps through your life um, after. And I think I have a greater understanding of the effects of trauma. And so my heart and compassion goes out to a lot of people who have experienced that. Um, Yeah, so 2020, I think we can all agree that it brought a ton of political um, chaos and um, pain and racial turmoil. Um, and I think the challenges of being a leader in that time is you don't really know what you're doing and, um, no one really knows what they're doing and there's a lot of uncertainty and you need to figure out how to lead people through uncertainty, um, and then fail. And the disappointment of failing people is really big as a leader. And, um, I sit across from people all the time that have been hurt by leadership. And so then you are like, oh my gosh, I don't want to hurt people. (laughs) But then you find yourself actually not doing a good job at that. And I think for me, it's like the tiny little paper cuts that turn into a big wound if they're unattended to. Um, And that has been my years. And then not to mention, you know, being a part of a startup doing lots of brave things that I've never done before. Um, All of that was um, just a lot. 
And it's interesting because I came across this quote by James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, which is one of my favorite books. And he said, the ultimate preparation is not planning for a specific scenario, but a mindset that can handle uncertainty. And so by the end of this episode, because I feel like I want to catch you up with some lessons that I learned through 2022 that might be helpful for you. But I want to leave you with an exercise that I do when I'm in uncertainty. And I think that, um, yeah, while I mentioned that there, there was a lot of hard things that happened throughout 2022 um, and still dealing with the aftermath of 2020 like a lot of us are, Often when we're in uncertainty, it's really hard to see the wonder of uncertainty. And there is so much beauty in uncertainty because um, if everything was in our control and we knew everything, life would kind of be boring. I think there's something fun and wonderful about the possibility in the earth and why. And I think that's what can make uncertainty exciting. But often we're so programmed to know everything because we want peace and we can often dress rehearse our fears and our worst case scenarios. Um, But as you were hearing my story today, um, my most uncertain time this past year was when I got stuck in Australia, but it ended up turning out to be the greatest divine reset. And I think... um, Life is all about how you see it. So, and I'll get to that in a minute. In this idea of cultivating a mindset that can handle uncertainty, I have learned how to surrender my ego and how people perceive me on another level. I think there's certain levels to letting go of what people think of you or being defined what people think of you. And as a leader, you receive so much feedback on what you can improve. And I think that's actually necessary. It's important that you have that. Otherwise, you'll create a culture that's really stagnant and controlling. And um, so I think that there's a healthy side of that. But I think that there is a point where either people put you on a pedestal or there's this element of my life is perfect and I'm a life coach and I know how to navigate really hard things and like just get A pluses all the way through it. Um, I think subconsciously I was under the weight of that and it was like an invisible prison that I created. No one actually said to me, Ella, you're a leader, you need to be perfect. But it's something that was deep in my subconscious that your problems don't matter you, how you feel about that doesn't matter. Like the fact that that person said something really offensive to you. Oh, but that doesn't matter. It's part of being a leadership. The problem is that when that happens, where you dismiss your experience over and over again, it piles up and eats at you. And, um, what I've noticed is that, um, people do put people on pedestals And I think it's kind of the cruelest thing that you can do in creating some sort of hierarchy um, where no one struggles with things and everyone's social media perfect. And I know like on my social media, I don't really put 
like negative things that I've going through and more because I don't really know a way to share it in a way that feels um, transparent but protecting myself. Um, And I think that this idea of an invisible prison of perfection kind of came from how I saw leadership growing up. And um, I kind of understand why there is this kind of presentation to the world as a leader to not have any problems and to come across as perfect because people are brutal when they see your vulnerability, they go for it. And that is a real thing. So I think my, um, but I'd never seen anyone until I moved to America and had a like new kind of leadership in my life. I, I had never really seen people show their flaws in a way that was deeply human, took them off a pedestal, made me feel connected to them, but also like protected their privacy. Like I'd never seen someone be a leader that way. And to me, that's really, um, what I aspire towards is, um, being human, being authentic. Um, but I've also pendulum swung the opposite of like sharing too much information. Um, so that's kind of a dance that I've been figuring out, but I do notice like when you're going through hard things, like this idea of being perfect and having all the answers can be this shiny, luring thing that we want to have because, yeah, it it kind of puts us up in a tower where we feel really in control and that kind of feels safe. So, of course, you want to be, you know, shaping people's narrative of you in some way. And so this is like part of, you know, going through what I went through in 2020 and then feeling the residue and aftermath of that. Um, A lot of it has been dying to my false self, the protective side of myself that wants to project like that I'm perfect or that I do everything well. And I think what I saw a lot of in this past year was me processing actually a lot of pain. Um, And I was talking to someone, a close person in my world, and I was sharing a lot of pain, but then they were kind of getting me, will processing like what they were going through. And they're like, wow, that was so wise. <laughs> and, um, and I think that that was both true. Like I was in a lot of pain and feeling really weak, but also I still didn't lose my strength. And I think when we look at people as one dimensional as one thing, that's when we kind of put people on pedestals, like they never struggle. Um, but actually part of what I walked through in this past year was a lot of duality, a lot of like, actually I'm experienced a lot of awesome things, but I'm experiencing a lot of pain. Um, so I've, I feel so hopeful though. While these past two years have been really hard, I have created so much momentum and so much breakthrough in my life that it's more like a a resilience that I've learned. Um, And I've never been more clear about who I am and who I'm not, which is the gift of what the painful stuff that I've walked through. And so um, I think I want to backtrack in explaining kind of what happened. Um, 
I was supposed to go back to my sister's wedding and that was in the first week of April. Um, I think her wedding was on April 9th and um, of 2022. And so I flew back and I ended up, um, it was an amazing week and so beautiful to be with family. It was a magical wedding and I w- was sort of getting towards the end of the night and one of my sister's friends, um, who's actually a psychologist, was just asking the right questions <laughs> and um, she was kind of asking me about like how it is being with family when I've been away from my family for over two and a half years and what that was like and um I said, yeah, I, my heart feels like it's in two places. Um, my heart's in California, but it's also in Melbourne, in Australia with my family. Um, so I feel really split. And she just looked into my soul and all she did was say, that sounds really hard. And it just pressed a button in me that unlocked all this pain. And I don't know if you've ever had someone tune into you that well. Um, and I'm at the wedding, so I'm kind of like a little like trying to fight back tears. Um, and I think cause I've learned through a lot of training and also a lot of therapy, um, that when a button is being pushed, you kind of need to let it be pushed. Um, So I took myself away and I went up to my room myself fully like go there and sob and let myself feel everything that I was feeling. Um, And it's so not logical. Like if my mom or someone came in to kind of help workshop me out of like this stuck place that I was feeling, um, it probably wouldn't have helped it was that I actually needed to emotionally release the pain and it felt very big. Like it felt like huge. And I was aware that when it feels that big, it's just like, you've just got to not analyze it. You just need to feel it. And so I did. And then I woke up the next morning and had the dreamiest time with my fam. Yeah, we, we all made breakfast and like celebrated my sister's wedding from the night before. And it was just such a sweet memory that is like in the top 10 memories of my life. It was such a fun morning. Um, and so then I get back, um, and then I think two days later, I need to go to the airport, uh, leave my family cause I could only be there like nine days and I get to the airport and I feel, it's not like I feel resolved or I feel good. I don't feel good about staying, but I don't feel good about going. And so so it's kind of a frustrating feeling, but I know I need to go back because I have students graduating and responsibilities with work. So I get to board the flight and the person, the flight attendant's like, your visa's expired. And I won't go into all the details because there were two dates on my visa and I had been told that it hasn't expired, but then it had. And um, 
then it felt like another button was pushed and I felt like the big feeling that I was feeling was like, America is rejecting me. And it was such a big disorientating feeling. And I think because I have like a you're in trouble kind of button as well. Like it made me feel really triggered. And um, the only way I knew I was like in this big, what is happening? This is so out of control. Um, I remember just rehearsing through my mind, but all things work out for good. All things work out for good. That's the only thing I could focus on. And then it was sweet. I told, I texted my dad, and told him what had happened and he actually wrote not knowing like these have a way of working out for these things have a way of working out for good so that was like a little clue a little hint like it's going to be okay Ella and um so my mom had to drive back to pick me up and it was very emotional and I you know, got to stay with my mom and my cousin and my brother. And for four months, I got to heal. And previously, I looked in my journal a year before I wrote like a prayer, like I just want a month off. I just want deep rest because I'd never really fully got to calm my nervous system from something that happened in 2020. And, um, I remember a therapist sort of saying like, oh, you don't need a month off. You just need like a week. And um, anyway, so it ended up being four months in Australia of recovery. And what I learned in that time is really um, how to process pain. And um, I, I often meet people like life coaching clients, whatever, when they're kind of in a rock bottom or a really hard place, like a rut. And often it's like connected to, I haven't processed pain and I can't see clearly. And it was very hard for me to, I felt very aligned in my job and like what I do, but I didn't feel alive in it. And it was like, and that's how often I will meet people is that they feel like really at the end of their rope or in a rut or really, really stuck. And a lot of the time we need to go backwards and process the pain and disappointment so we can move forward with a new vision or a new story. So to give you an example of pain coming up, um, we're sitting in a cafe and this is at the start, like when, you know, we were talking with lawyers and HR of my job and, you know, my boss and, um, my friend, Michael, he's like, Ella, what, what do you want? Like, you know, and all I could say is like, I just want to see my niece born. <laughs> like, I don't really know what I want. Yeah. So I'm sitting in this cafe and, um, I was saying to my mom, Mom, like people keep asking me what I want and tears were welling up as onlookers were watching me and I was like, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. And she just held space for me. She didn't sit and say anything, but she was just with me. 
And then I was like, I think I'm just not meant to know what I want right now. Um, and then it's interesting because I got to really, I kept, got to keep working remotely, which was amazing um, for income and still took on clients. But it gave me space to kind of close the laptop. And there was something beautiful and such a divine gift to take time out from my world in California and really take time aside in another country, what a dream, to kind of assess my why and really process disappointment. You know, when you are part of a startup, which I was part of a startup university, you have these grand expectations of what it will be. And a lot of it is happening, but then a lot of it has some serious need for growth, you know. And um, I think, yeah, like a lot of that was like grieving what wasn't and what is and having space to kind of work through that. And it was the best gift that I could have ever I didn't even know I could ask for a gift like that. What a gift. And so coming back, and it was interesting because the timing of my visa extension coming through, there was like this shift in my soul that was excited and ready. It was like, oh, it's time to go back to California. There was like this, oh, this feels right. Whereas like if in my uncertainty, I couldn't have like, controlled that feeling to happen like um I had to kind of surrender to the process of um being in Australia and even looking at like would I move back here you know and being really open um but ultimately um I felt like my heart was like yeah I'm I'm so excited to go back to California and go back to the university um anyway so coming back to California was the most bizarre experience where it was like stepping into a portal to another universe. Now there, there is some cultural differences in, you know, Australia and America. There's, there's some differences, but man, when, you know, spending four months, which is very different to going on a vacation in a country, um, but actually spending time getting back into a rhythm in your old country and then coming back is just a bizarre, cool experience I wish everyone could have. But I came back such a different person. And because I felt so clear, there was something like... Even if no one else has changed, I have changed. And I've learned this a lot from coaching a lot of people, being part of a startup. We always want to blame our environment for why we're not happy. And sometimes, and often it's like 50-50 or whatever, but there is something powerful about healing your own stuff And getting a full perspective shift that makes you, you know, thrive in an environment. 
so while my year had some surprises in it, had some hard things in it, had some disappointments, um, one big thing that I feel that I grew the most in is trust and surrender. And I get clients to do this. I get my students to do this exercise. And this is just a practical takeaway for really building a mindset that is has a capacity for uncertainty. So this is an exercise I get my students and clients to do, especially when they're trying to navigate like confusing territory where there's uncertainty or things feel out of control. I get them to write down um, two lists and that's one list of everything you do know and then another list of everything you don't know. And then the space between not knowing and knowing is trust. I think it's a flippant statement to just say, just trust it's going to work out. Like, I think we need something a little more um, clearer to be able to define that. Um, And so doing this exercise, it helps me kind of go, oh, this is just the part I don't know and I need to surrender or I need to take aligned action. And aligned action is like often when we're jumbled up inside and we don't really know what we know or don't know, like, or we're not really sure how to execute. I like to have lists. So having a list of what I don't know and what I do know, and it might be, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. I don't know how I'm going to get to that person's party. I don't know how that job interview is going to go, that review is going to go. I don't know how, um, if my spouse is going to be okay. I don't know if they're going to call me back. I don't know. You, there is all the lists that you don't know. And then the list that you do know is really your rehearsing times where you have come through uncertainty. So your brain will needs to learn to remember those moments in times of uncertainty. Um, and thankfulness is always really good at taking stock and getting your brain to look at, you know, the glass half full rather than half empty. And so I think that, yeah, having these lists is super helpful for me because then I can go to a posture of surrender. I think often I would like judge the thing that I don't know, like I should know, like we're often told, well, what you should have known better. Like we have those kind of accusing statements and voices in our head. And I think just accept that you don't, don't judge that you don't and surrender. And then, and it's so hard, like I watch clients struggle so hard in this area, but I've probably built a very strong trust muscle or faith muscle that when, because I have such a big track record of it working out, I can confidently go, oh, I'm not meant to know. Okay. I can surrender. I can let go of trying to plan that part because I don't know that part. And I could focus on taking action in this aligned way. And what I mean by aligned action is when I'm like connected to what if abundance, like what if I knew that I was fully loved and um, that everything was going to be okay, what would bravery look like? 
me taking action towards this thing or do I need to take a healthy risk? Do I need to say no to something? Um, And that just helps me kind of execute and feel powerful and co-creating with God in like getting towards where I need to go, but also staying in a place and a posture of trust, which is really peaceful. So I hope that little tip is helpful. Next week on the podcast, I'm going to be talking about processing disappointment. And um, I think that that's a huge thing that we need to be doing um, in cultivating hope and um, learning how I've got some tips of what I do to process through disappointment. So hopefully that'll be, and I look forward to you joining me next week.